Thank you to Manscaped for being a sponsor for our show. Go to manscaped.com, put in code SFU, and get 20% off and worldwide free shipping. This is co-op mode, round 102, the official video game podcast of Secret Friends Unite. I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, joined by Mark the Canardian Caravan. How you doing, buddy? I am pretty good. How are you? Mark, I know how you're really doing. Uh, <laughs> I read your message. Uh, $1,000 car repair, um, porch yeah. pirates stealing things off your porch. It sounds like a great yeah. day. It was, oh, no. uh, it was a, a Monday to end all Mondays, my friend. I thought it was going to be a quick oil tire change. And uh, $1,100 later, um, it was not as, as quick and easy. I, I needed several things uh, that I, that, you know, like once they get it up on the hoist, they're like, hey, this is broken. And that's here. Look at this. So that was fun. And uh, and then, yeah, I got home and expected there are a few packages or two, two packages that, that said uh, delivered. And there's nothing there, and uh, so we we figure. Oh my god! We figure the porch pirates got us, which which has never ever been a problem. I've been here for ten years in this house, never had a problem with porch pirates or anything like that. Usually, it's it's a pretty quiet neighborhood. So uh, there we go. That's that's my er- Monday. Every everything is more expensive and people are more desperate these days. And uh, I think the uh, the two complaints you have today are might be interrelated. There, my friend, <laughs> you yep. you go for an yep. expensive car repair, and and that's what everybody's dealing with right now. It's crazy, pretty Mark, much. Mark plays a lot of Sea of Thieves, so I guess those pirates finally got their revenge back at you, Mark. <laughs> that yeah, <laughs> just wait till I find their ship and sink it. You could put on the uh, Mandalorian helmet that you have back there and just go hunt them down. That'll probably make their day. That might be tomorrow's plan. Yeah. All right. There you go. Yeah. We'll see. Well, you see this guest. We haven't introduced him yet. And that is Mr. Victor Lucas from EPN, Electric Playground Network. You may have seen him on G4 back in the day. If you're Canadian, you've seen him on networks there. I saw him on all those places, G4, uh, on syndication in the States as well. And just uh, doing reviews and entertainment media. The man is an icon. When we talk about people on like the 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 Mount Rushmore of gaming media, there's very few that come as I, I guess as tenured and have as met as many cool people and done as many cool things as Victor. So, Victor, thank you for being on the show. Todd, you're making me sweat, man. <laughs> thank <laughs> you for true. that very nice, very nice introduction. That's that's great. That's like all oh my everything's like getting weird there when you start talking about things. Yes, yeah, so I've been doing this a long time. I've been very, very, very privileged to discover something that I've wanted to do a long time ago, and I still do it. And I still get up every day and I I talk about all these things that I'm incredibly, you know, passionate about and and fan, a fan of. And uh, I, I am really grateful that people have been watching and, and supporting our stuff for so long. It feels incredible. But you a, also at, yeah. at the end of the year, it also feels a little overwhelming because it's just bang, 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 bang. is just release after release. It's a crazy time of year. And um, you have been doing this well before video 
you know, was really an, an easy way to get out there your message, yep. uh, what you love. A uh, 95 is essentially when you started, then 97 things kind of came to fruition when things finally came in, into being. I mean, I remember yep. in college in 95, I had to, to get my video game news. I had to go to the newsstand and get Edge or Game Pro or one of those magazines and um video was not even a thing so the fact that you said i think i can do this in video form when really it was only big studios doing those type of things and cameras i mean yeah well we didn't we didn't talk about video back then we didn't say video we said tv i want to make a tv show and and uh (laughs) uh and that's what we did you know like i assembled a, a a small team my wife especially she was integral in supporting me and encouraging me um, and being a, a realist as well about some of these crazy ideas that I, I was having. Um, but we uh, we had this concept of making a television show. And I went and started meeting with game studios and with television networks and TV stations and showed them all of these magazines and all of this data. And a huge part of what got people interested in the idea of a weekly show around video games like this was the PlayStation was coming. And it had launched in Japan by the time we were starting to, uh, you know, talk about this as a TV show. And it was really a game changer, pun intended. It was really like a thing that showed that, you know, these graphics in games were going to get closer and closer to what Pixar was putting on this, the big screen. And um, that was a very crystallizing moment. It was the money, uh, how much money games were making and how much the technological advancements were like really shifting to a new era of uh, interactive entertainment. And so broadcasters started to pay attention. And we had a, you know, a a solid idea that made a lot of sense. And I I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to express the idea in a way that people understood what I wanted to do. And uh, even though we, I had never produced anything and most of the people that I, I uh, had assembled hadn't really from the ground up produced something, people had worked in various projects and stuff, um, we pretty much figured it out. You know, we had a good team right from the beginning and, and uh, we built a show that, that was kind of undeniable. And a big part of it was that we went out and met with the people that were making the games. We really endeavored to not just be a bunch of experts in the studio pontificating on what people should play, we went out and talked with everybody that was actually making software. And that was fun. It was fun to make and it was fun to watch right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I uh, have... To, oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was going to say like that That approach to things was was different. I don't... Todd, you, you say you got some Canadian TV. If I say the, the name Nicholas Pickles, does that bring up... I knew you were going to bring him up and I think it's a fake thing, <laughs> a fake person, Mark. No, because up up until uh, the, the stuff that like Victor was doing was like that was kind of what we got here to to see games on TV. Like it was just like kids that looked kind of my age or whatever, like playing games against each other, or maybe even a little older. Yeah back then and then it was like taking that to the next level and like talking like what do you mean like people make games it's not just like you know me and my jackass friends like sitting down and and playing on a couch or like you know the same kind of thing like taken to tv uh it was like more detailed more like there's there's a seriousness to it or something it was was that show was a huge inspiration for me i was videoing arcade top 10 and it was on ytv 
but not in the way that you would think. I, I looked at that as kind of an insult for my tastes. I looked at that as <laughs> this juvenile little, you, you know, kind of commercial around video games. It was just all hype, 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 hype. And mm-hmm. I was curious. I was in my 20s when, when uh, you know, we started this journey and, and I wanted to know, to know more. And I figured there were lots and lots of players and lots of just people, just general people that would like to know more. And so that's yeah. what EP was. It was about diving into that curiosity. And yes, games are made by people. And we, you know, what's interesting is we've kind of come full circle and now we don't really let the developers speak, you know, come forward and speak unless it's a, you know, a marketing video. Um, right now, like we're in this new era of a million, a billion experts in games, but we're all just, it's all conjecture. It's all hearsay. It's all Reddit rumors and, and, uh, you know, um, information dumps and things like, like people going into reverse engineering code or stealing, you know, leaks or something like that. And, and trying to guess what these companies, these companies are working on instead of like really endeavoring to get out there with these different developers and the developers are also in the cross crosshairs so much you know there's there's so many people out there that are just up in arms about every decision that that game makers make and you know they they say something and then twitter blows up and and uh the angry rant videos start coming and and uh, it's a weird weird place there's more people talking about games than ever before but i feel like we have lost the connection to who's making them still you know, it's a bit weird. It's it's it like is. the uh, my uncle works at Nintendo, only the soapbox is so much bigger that you get yeah. a billion my uncle works at Nintendo's and no one's really breaking it down the the <laughs> in a more detailed fashion like like you guys. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, it, it also the business has changed and and uh all of these billions of outlets really serve the industry in a lot of really cool ways as well. And there's excellent content being made at every level, whether the single creators out there or the bigger teams or whatever. Um, but I, I do feel like one of the things that we lucked into and, and we're fortunate enough to kind of grow into is we reached, uh, we reached a lot of people that didn't really know that much about games and we brought them into that world and we've, got a lot of people to kind of respect this industry that really didn't ever think about it before. And, uh, I miss that very much. I miss that. And I don't know if we can get that back anymore, you know, cause TV's kind of imploded. It's TV's a very weird business and the streaming, you know, services are a very interesting animal as well. Um, but we were there in that moment, you know, and I, I feel very fortunate that we got to do it that way. It's, it's amazing. And I think, like you said, I mean, the, the, the individuals who watched you interview people and just hopefully got an understanding of, oh, games can be a medium that can really open your eyes, which is fantastic. Um, I'm hopeful we'll get more of that with people. People will start understanding what a video game producer does. Uh, one of the artists does um, uh, the technical people that, you know, if I want to go into a career in gaming, I don't know how, I just want to make games, but I don't know what part I want to go into. Like my son's six, 17. Now he wants to go to yeah. computer engineering. It's like, I think we need more of that. We need to understand like what people do in gaming that can actually then create people that want to really go into it with their eyes wide open versus they didn't know what to expect. They just went to a gaming school. So I'm, I'm hoping we get more of that, more documentaries of how games were made. Because, um, Victor, this was on a channel you were. I mean, uh, you were on Icons. 
I thought yeah. we need more shows like Icons that show the history, the developers, and kind of more about gaming. And and I, I just, I mean, I know people like Noclip, if you've watched any of those, they do some sure. really good documentary short, but it's on YouTube. And if you don't know about it, how are you going to find it? So I think there needs a way to funnel people to content yeah. like that. And I think yeah. that's uh, really important. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, you're speaking to the choir here. Absolutely. I, and I love making the docs too. We've done a lot of documentaries over the years and I just like working with the industry. You know, it's really cool for, for, I, I'm a fan, I, you know, like I didn't start this as like, I, I'm going to get rich and I'm going to like come up with some idea that's going to transform the world. It was like, I, I just want to go because nobody was doing it. <laughs> that was, that was the, that was the business plan. Nobody's doing it. <laughs> and at, when I started, there were like 25 magazines coming out a month and I was subscribing to all of them and, and none of them had video. And I was like, well, it, it seems kind of crazy to talk about video games and it's just static images. Why don't we go and, you know, like really put these things out there with video content and meet the people that are making them. I think there'll be a show in there. You know, and then the other thing was the reviews on the run component where we'd have a couple of different opinions and, uh, uh, you know, have that chemistry of two honest people discussing their thoughts about all of this stuff and all of it kind of clicked and worked, you know? So I, 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 uh, I feel, uh, very fortunate and, and a lot of, um, I don't know, I just incredibly grateful that I, I had these, this amazing opportunity to, to start that and then to run with it and to grow it and, uh, and to keep going. Oh, oh one, one, one more question. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll run first and then you finish yeah. up, Todd. Um, I'm just curious, like the, the technical hurdles back then, right now mm -hmm. you can press, literally press a button on your controller, take a screenshot or a video, or there's capture yes. cards that are, you know, uh, between a hundred and 200 bucks that, that do a pretty fantastic job of, of capturing things. When, when you started to get into it, did you think of, of that kind of stuff or was, was that one of those things that you were just like, ah, we'll figure it out, you know, like, uh, capturing footage we, or, we needed, or getting, we needed people, we needed resources right. back then. And, and, um, people ask about our archive content all the time and, um, like they want to see more of our classic episodes and stuff. And I want to mm. put all of that stuff up there, but a lot of it is still on physical media and, um, the biggest thing about physical media, it's a good way to store all of that content. And if you've got it, you know, in, in a pretty good environment and it, and it doesn't deteriorate because that stuff does deteriorate over time, but it, it's a pretty good way to store all that content. But it's that content's there in real time. You know, like if you want to ingest it, if you've got a 30 minute tape, you have to take 30 minutes to ingest it into a deck. And if you just want a little bit, you have to find it on the deck. And so that time is a massive resource hog. And so that invariably meant that we had to add people to do game recording if we needed footage. We had to add, you know, the technology in place to kind of frame lock video so that it would go on to beta SP. That was our first medium. Um wow. And that, you know, and then that has to be ingested into a computer in real time, and it's usually at a lower resolution because back then the computers that we would uh, it was called offline editing and online editing couldn't take all of that data at full resolution. So you'd edit at a smaller resolution, and then you'd have to re-import it again at full resolution to output it. And so we were doing weekly shows, but it took a lot of people to make a one half hour weekly show, the reporting yeah. element of it and then all the editorial elements of it and all of the, uh, 
um, post-production and all the, you know, recording of all the games and stuff like that. We, tr- we did a little bit of everything, you know, we, we did some, uh, DV formats. We were one of the, fir- we were the first production company, I-, I think in the world to make an HD, uh, video game TV show. There was a network called gameplay that rainbow media started and we did a show for them called the art of play. And so we bought a, uh, an HD cam deck. Uh, so this was uh, Sony HD cam deck. Uh, and it was a $75,000 deck and the tapes were $200 for an hour. And we made, um, a, a sort of a documentary series or, or, uh, uh, not a documentary series, sort of like, um, uh, a cinematic type series where we would tell the story of the games using voiceover and gameplay footage and cutscene material, but it was all in HD. So we did that format and there was another, uh, there was a really cool format that's still around, but it was called um, uh, XD Cam. And at the first uses of it were on Blu-ray disc. So we'd have these these disc cartridges that were that housed a Blu-ray and they'd go into the side of the camera and they would burn it right to the Blu-ray. And the wow. cool thing about that is you would take that and stick it into the deck and, and you could you could ingest your media, your 60 minutes of media in five minutes. And so things were much, much quicker and things Fair were move. starting to get a lot, a lot better. Yeah. And then the next mm. iteration of that were like on cards. And so when I started with EP, we would go to E3 as an example and we would uh, go down with a hundred beta tapes in a big Santa bag, you know, and we'd have three camera crews and we'd, we'd go with all of these tapes and they'd be spread out and we'd go out and shoot maybe, I don't know, 30 tapes per camera per day or something like that. Or I don't know how it broke down, but we'd come back with a huge bag, a huge sack of, ga- of tapes of all the stuff that we had shot. And then companies would give us B-roll on beta tape. Uh, and then the last E3 that I went to, which was 2019, um, it was like, it could fit into the little coin pocket in your jeans, you know, and it was, <laughs> that is crazy. It's a Dropbox link. Yes. Yeah. Now it's yeah. too much content. Yeah. 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 Now it's too much content. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the, like on, honestly, that story of us producing all this stuff is a very interesting uh, trip through TV production as well. You know, mm-hmm. that's, 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 uh, I think something that people don't really understand, right? Like what, when we made a TV show through the nineties and the, and the two thousands, it's not the same as making a YouTube show now, you know, like it was a lot of different pieces kind of working together to figure things out as we went along. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it just, it, you know, it was really cool. And so we have like this history of TV media, you know, at least in, in terms of videotape form, we didn't go back into quarter inch tape or shooting on film reels and things like that, but we, we went for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, and that's that kind what, of production. Kind of what I was, I was hoping was you, you've been doing this for so long and the technology's changed so much. I, I figured that was going to be an interesting answer and you uh, more than delivered. That was, that was really cool. <laughs> Well, I had that geniuses along the way that I collaborated with the whole time. I, one of the greatest uh, friendships and greatest discoveries I made was with a guy named Aaron Mooney, who became our uh, post-supervising producer. He he came on board to be an online editor, so he was the guy that was finishing a show, and then his role grew to kind of figuring everything out in our company. And as we kept making shows, we kept getting new broadcasters. So we'd already done five years or something before we were on G4. And we had a lot of relationships with different companies. 
And there's huge stories in there. But anyways, Aram was there the whole time and he figured everything out. And so every transition, whether it was from Avid, the Avid editing program to Final Cut, we were on Final Cut for a long time. Then we started moving it over to Premiere. Um, but we were also growing the business and doing other types of shows and um, putting more people in seats with more editing software. And so we had to network the the uh, the the content together. So, you know, we had to be able to grab a bunch of batch footage off of a big server, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And he did it. He figured all of that out. And so he became kind of, uh, well, I'll put it this way. We used a piece of software called Edit Share, and they put our company and Aaron and all of the work that he did on the front page of their website because we had cracked some code <laughs> to be able wow, wow. to, because that was by the time we were making two daily shows. We were making like 600 episodes of TV a year, which was probably pretty, wow. pretty big record in Canada, I think, for an independent production company. Um, and we just had to figure it out. So yeah, we were on the cutting edge with a lot of this stuff, just as the video game industry kept, you know, transitioning and also being on the cutting edge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Well, before we <laughs> get into the main part of the show, I have one more question because <laughs> sure. I see that there is, you're working on potentially a documentary about your journey. Well, there is a gentleman um, that uh, his name is uh, uh, Jonathan. Um, I don't know if he wants his whole name out there, but he reached out to me. I work with the Vancouver Film School um, from time to time, and and somehow I met him, and he grew up with the show, and um, we got to talking, and and uh, nothing has really progressed on it though because of the pandemic. You know, like mm. that's th really impacted everything, especially. Well, everything, but it, it also has impacted EP. Like it's just been a total change. Like this, this basement set that I've been in since 2020 this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. You know, like we, we've had studios and sets and I was, I was working with the Vancouver film school in uh, up until the pandemic, uh, shooting a live show out of their Vancouver film school cafe. Um, and anyways, um, he has an idea to create a, uh, a, uh, a documentary about my life and to interview people about, well, maybe not my life, but about my, my path with, a, with a, the electric playground, which is incredibly uh, um, kind and, and uh, a little embarrassing, but it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's kind of going to be his project if he's going to be putting that all together. But yeah, he did reach that out, reach out to me with that to, to talk about that. So. We'll see if that happens. Well, it's it's on IMDb, so oh, it is already. It's, it's yeah, real, okay. so it's happening, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that is well takes, deserved. Right? Exactly, <laughs> it's it's there on the internet, so it doesn't lie. It's either either go to Wikipedia or IMDb. I guess one is better than the other, but uh, <laughs> well deserved though. I hope it gets made, and I, I want more people to see your your, your story. That's awesome. Ah. Well, you know, what's weird, Todd, is like people have seen my story, you know, like I, I if they've watched the show anyway along sure. the, the, the journey, that's my story. You know, that's what I've been doing. I, I, it's, and I do the same thing. What's weird is I do the same stuff I've always been doing. I, I, I play these games and um, and I sit down and talk about them. I try to dissect them. I, I, you know, I roll without a script. I go in front of the camera. I try to kind of navigate through what my thoughts are and express them. And now I edit everything because it's just me putting all the stuff together. But 
the core of what I do is still to go and dive through this content and this media. And then, uh, I also get to speak with the people that make them, you know, and, um, uh, most of it has been through zoom the last few years, but, uh, I have been able to do a little bit of traveling. And I think by next year, fingers crossed, you know, I'll be back out on the road and visiting studios all over the damn place. And I can't wait, but that's, you know, it's, what's weird is, Technology has improved so much that I can do a lot of this stuff by myself, which is which is just weird as hell. It took uh, so many of us to make this content before, and now like it's like literally, I can bring my iPhone somewhere and shoot something, and uh, and it's good, you know, like it works, and it it blows me away. Mm-hmm. Awesome! I cannot wait. Well. The part of the show that everybody's been waiting for is buy, rent, return. And this one's a little controversial because we just had both of our Thanksgivings in Canada early October. And then uh, in the U.S., it's the end of November. So there's lots of opportunity to eat some very good food. Um, And I think one of the controversies always is like, what type of food do you like? And I did not include a specific Canadian side dish if there is one. If there is one, I can plug one in. But you'd have to let me know. Poutine. Uh, it's a yeah, or a Timberkey, which is a bunch of Timbits stuffed inside a turkey. <laughs> okay, I will go with the poutine. I'm putting poutine in then. Okay, because poutine is definitely that, that's not a Thanksgiving specific side dish though, and and for many that is a full course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, being Lower Canada, you know, essentially we have fully embraced poutine broadly. So my wife absolutely loves it. So definitely part of the conversation for for great food. Um, So we're going to go with this. So buy, rent, return. All rent poutine. Oh, okay. Stuffing? (laughs) Come on, wait, no. Stuffing, mashed potatoes, poutine. I'll take rent poutine for 500, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The best case scenario is you're renting poutine. That's well, uh, you're renting all the food. (laughs) You really really are. It's, yep. yep, It doesn't doesn't stay with us forever. (laughs) All right. Well, Victor, since you're very passionate about this, so buy, rent, return, stuffing, mashed potatoes, or poutine? Oh, uh, well, what's weird is I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian, and so I haven't had turkey in a long time. Uh, And there's gravy with with, uh, meat juice, I think, and poutine, so I don't really eat poutine. Um, So I guess it, and maybe in the stuffing. So I think it'd be mashed potatoes for me. I like mashed potatoes. Potatoes are good food. So you're buying the mashed potatoes. Now, say if we could make these vegan uh, or vegetarian-wise... Does that help? I'd lo- you know what? I've never had poutine because of that. So I would love to try it if there was some kind of vegan option. I'm sure there is, but I just have never, I've never had it. I, I, I don't know if I have to turn in my citizenship now by admitting that or like what, <laughs> what happens? <laughs> Do the RCMP come to my house? <laughs> if I admit that I've never had poutine, like am I screwed? I've screwed myself right now. Nobody's going to go see my documentary now. Damn it. No, I just... Uh, <laughs> I've never had it before. That's fair. That's well, fair. my wife so, is is gluten sensitive, and she makes excellent stuffing with gluten free bread. So that's kind of a probably a not okay. respected side dish, but it's it's delicious. So I hope you can find Mark. 
let's get out. Let's have a, a, a mission to find vegetarian gravy. <laughs> All right. I'm sh- I'm sure I'm it exists it. out there. I'm We're sure there's, there's gotta be vegan. I mean, if there isn't, that's a business to be made right there. Absolutely. I didn't think I'd be talking about vegan poutine today. This is cool. Like we've gone and we've, ta- <laughs> we've taken a weird corner in this video game podcast. Oh, we do. <laughs> we definitely do. Okay. Mr. Mark, uh, what are your choices? Oh man. Uh, I am going to similarly buy mashed potatoes cause mashed potatoes are amazing. You, yeah. You win with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on, you, you gotta, you gotta buy the mashed potatoes. Uh, they can, they're, they're so versatile and delicious and, uh, floofy. Um, for my, my return, no, my, my rent, uh, I think I'm going to rent poutine. I don't have poutine often, like maybe max once a year, but I actually don't remember the last time I had poutine. So I think it's been a couple of years. So if they're coming after, uh, after Victor, I'm the, they're, they're shortly coming after me as well, I think. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll, I'll throw on the Mandalorian helmet. They'll have to go through me to get to you. And, uh, all right. Sounds go. good. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we're, we're in this together. And, uh, so that, that makes me returning. I'm returning stuffing. Cause like if you're having a big meal and you're having in this case, for some reason, poutine and mashed potatoes, why do you want stuffing? You know, that the thing is... about stuffing is you can, you can, uh, sense recall stuffing if you've ever had it in your life immediately. Yeah. We all know what the True. taste of that is. Mm-hmm. It's not like something you miss. You know, it can be tasty. I feel that, right? Like I had it when I was a kid and I still like I can taste it in my head when you say it. I was like, yeah, I don't miss it. I don't miss I don't miss that. If you ask me the like the my least favorite part of any like one of those big like turkey kind of meals or anything like that, it's probably gonna be stuffing unless there's something else that like I'm really digging. But like yeah, if if my plate's full and the stuffing can't fit on my plate, I'm I'm still okay. So that's my return. Todd, what, what, how are you feeling? You, you kind of made this. You just had Thanksgiving down in the States. Well, what you, I'm guessing we made a mistake by replacing the pie with poutine. So <laughs> pie, <laughs> it yeah, a little bit more controversial at that point, what, right? Yeah. What kind of pie? Like, like a pie with your turkey dinner? What well, kind of pie? pie is a, it's, it's, it's a holiday food. So I always, you know, associate, uh, you know, what type of pie. I mean, pumpkin is, I mean, oh, it's big in the States. Right, it's kind yes. of like that holiday pie. Mm-hmm. But some yeah. people don't like pumpkin pie and they go with like a, a, a pecan pie. They Sometimes they go like um, a cherry or something like that. So that's why I'm like thinking, well, maybe a pie would be more Listen, man, of if a pie is on the on the list it wins. There's like nothing yeah. beats pie. There you go. Pie, pie, pie is, is replacing is, poutine. Yeah, p- pie is Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're all gone. It's a snap. <laughs> yeah, some. I I can't even argue with that one. Just yeah, saying pumpkin pie. I'm just kind of like yeah, I want some pumpkin pie. Yeah. Can I get that? Right I now? I actually make a mean pumpkin pie. I I, I do that, but I make it uh, with. Uh, I I sound like a freak, but I make it with uh, coconut oil and coconut sugar, mm. and so and with maple syrup. So no refined sugar. And uh, it's freaking amazing. The last one I made this this time was the best I've ever made. We were freaking out over it. It was so good, but that's no like refined fantastic. sugar and and no butter and and uh, that's about it. Everything else is kind of the same. Everything's better with maple syrup. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's so good. Yeah. It's, yeah. Wow. So, Mark, did you change yours? 
Oh yeah, pie wins a hundred percent. So what's yeah. losing out then? Is this still stuffing? I guess stuffing, oh, stuffing is still out of stuffing. there. It's good I mean, pie. Just, just the pie word stuffing. Just the yeah. word stuffing feels like it's just like they wanted to throw food on the plate <laughs> to fill it up, <laughs> right? It's just like the people didn't have enough on their plate, so oh, we'll just throw bread and bits of vegetables and stuff and goo, and we'll put that into the <laughs> into the plate. Add the can goo. do something with that space in the bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Timbits. Exactly. Uh, or exactly. stuffing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So, t- Todd, I'm guessing, is pie kind of rule your list as well? You know, you know, though, um, I can have pie anytime. I, that's why I always think of like the holidays, like what's diff- special. So my wife makes a very definitely not a vegetarian stuffing. So it's it's wonderful. It's got sausage in it. It's got cranberries, apples, plus the, the bread. So it's a thing, not just dry bread, which is delicious. Um, and you could probably use like a vegan sausage if you wanted to, uh, to if you wanted to. <laughs> That sounds unappetizing. <laughs> then don't. <laughs> but I, I think you, I'm buying you lucked out there, Todd. You, you lucked out there, my friend, with with uh, the wife that you have married. There, good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. she like I definitely requested book. her to make it. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely asked great. her to make it. Yeah. Then I'm gonna. Then I'm going to um, buy the pie because pie is not an everyday thing. So I'm definitely go with pumpkin pie. My wife made a gluten free crust pumpkin pie. It was delicious. Really good. Enjoyed that. Mashed potatoes, I feel like I'm only returning it because I think I have mashed potatoes more frequently than I probably should. So it's like not a special mm. thing, but it's really good. I'm not disparaging it. It's just I like mashed potatoes a lot. So we eat a lot. So it's not the special holiday. Should we be dropping in video game names in the middle of this uh, the, the, you know, this discussion right here? It sounds a, a bit like – the, the muffin maids segment from <laughs> SNL, like these delicious muffins that we were making. But I was like, just going to say, if we, we, yeah, like Street Fighter or Mega Man, if we just throw those terms, like, will exactly. that keep the audience? If you're watching a gaming podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're listening Hi. to a gaming podcast. Fatality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if, if any, yeah. So you're basically saying Bubsy 3D is the stuffing for you, and Pi yes. is essentially the Mario or the, the Link level, right? Right. And right, then Mash right. Potatoes is probably Crash or Bandicoot. Or mashed potatoes is, is your Street Fighter right there. It's your okay. mashed potatoes. Okay. You got, yeah. I, I, yeah. There's a Street Fighter for every generation, right? Yeah. I was going to say we Master get Chief. Or oh, Master geez. Chief. Yes, some Halo. <laughs> we have done there 102 episodes, most of them Byron Return video game related. And the time we have a gaming industry legend on, you go with mashed potatoes and pie. <laughs> Todd. Oh, man. You were just a legend. <laughs> I figured Victor would appreciate it because he's like, let's 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 mix it let's, up a little bit. Let's, let's just roll. Let's, let's stretch the brain and, and things like this. I have to think about topic. I have to think about food. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm just thinking of the 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 people that have scrubbed forward and land in this part, and they're thinking, I've, "I'm <laughs> listening to the wrong podcast. What the hell happened here?" <laughs> I think I think they know what the they're wrong listening button. to. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will bring the people what they want then. We will talk about video games at this segment of what we've been playing. So, Victor, what have you been playing? Oh, man, every freaking thing. Uh, this is the time of year, right? Like everything comes out. I, I just, I'm, I'm editing my Sonic Frontiers review, and I know it's late, but. It all comes out at the same time. There's one of me. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to play through all of this stuff. Uh, but I love God of War Ragnarok. Um, I was disappointed with Bayonetta 3. 
this is all like current right now. Um, playing a little Pokemon Violet, um, freaking out playing uh, Miles Morales on PC and Steam Deck again. I can't believe. I'm so happy that PlayStation is making PC games and letting people mm. experience these that don't have the PlayStation. They're letting them play these amazing games that they have built for the for their fans, but now for the world, which is so cool. Um, and uh, yeah, Sonic Frontiers was was terrific. I really loved it. It's you know warts and all. It's got a lot of really ugly technological bumps to the game. Lots of uh, you know pop in and draw in and uh, you know frame rate and camera issues and the characters don't look great. But I couldn't stop playing the damn game. It was so addictive. It's so fun. So I guess I guess we go with that. That's what I I, I obsessed over on the weekend, and it was way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. So does this does does this like last bastion of all of these games? Do they muddy the water in your the, the water in your head of like you know what I played in January and all those things? Do you have a way to like like get it all together in like a, some type of like Gantt chart or or how do you get it all together? Like you know what, what you love there's, versus technical issues. There's yeah. there's oh okay I see uh, when I'm putting my reviews together. Yeah. I, I well, you know what? I'm one of the few that really loved Gotham Knights, you know, and I know that it, it has some technical issues and and uh, um, it could run better, it could look better, but I loved the gameplay. I loved the co-op action in the game. I love the characters. I love the lore. You know, I, I'm a Batman fanatic, so I just thought it was so cool to play as Robin and Batgirl and Nightwing. I'm not a Jason Todd fan, but it was awesome to like explore these characters and, and cruise around like that. So I, I think my value and any reviewer's value is to let people know who you are, you know, and then it has to come from the heart. I feel like, I mean, we all have these games. We all have games that other people rate high or low and you just, you feel the way you feel about them, you know, and we can call them guilty pleasures or whatever, but I think people that review the content need to embrace the fact that they aren't um, completely objective. They have tastes and prejudices and and opinions specific to what they're they're consuming, and that's the job I think of the content of the reviewer of the content creator is to let people in on why this thing mattered to you, you know. And less about the feature chase and and because there's lots of lots of content that that's all what it's all about. But I don't know. I've played 30 frames per second games that I really enjoy. I mean, the perfect example is Sonic Frontiers. It's on Switch and it's a good Switch game. It's better on PlayStation 5 because you can run it at, at 60 frames per second. But it's pretty freaking cool that you can also play it on Nintendo Switch, especially in handheld mode. And it's a good game, you know. It's not a, it's not the best game of the year, but it's a good game. And I feel like, you know, part and parcel with our absence of being able to like deal with the people that are building all of this stuff in a, in an interesting way, and get to know them as human beings, and get to really understand why they work so hard to entertain us with this stuff. We don't really get into those conversations. We're also getting to be a very binary consumer base in video games it's either it sucks or it's great or it's yes. it's perfect or it's terrible and you know there's a lot of value in things that are good you know mm -hmm. and there's a lot of value in stuff that misses its mark too you know and and where mistakes were made like 
Another example is Bayonetta 3. I think that it's a weak sequel to the Bayonetta franchise. It's just, uh, I, I was completely, you know, kind of bored all the way through it. The mechanics are sound and there's lots of great imagination in it, but it's, it felt like they just threw everything into a blender and it just became this this loud, monotonous thing by the end of it. Lots of cool things all mixed up and there was no kind of, I don't know, graceful leveling of the material. And so when I reviewed it, I was like so disappointed because I love uh, Platinum Games and I love the last two Bayonetta games, but this was a seven out of 10. It's not a throw out, you know, the game and say it's complete garbage and crap and not worth anybody's time. I know lots of people do love it. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to just... Uh, you know, be you and find what matters for you. And also when you talk about this stuff, it's got to, I think it should come from more of a place of, um, you know, what, how did you feel playing the game? Not, not, you know, what, unless you're uh, um, digital foundry, you know, those guys are all about hitting the, the frame rates and, and the technical sort of, which they, and they do an incredible job, a peerless job at doing that dissection. I think it's awesome. But I don't think we should all aspire to do that. You know, I think we should. Asp- I, and you know what? I'm not going to call out that for any other reviewers out there. But the way I feel about it is, you know, through my work, you get to know my thoughts and who I am a little bit. And, and, and I, I want to feel like someone that you know and you trust the opinion on, even if you disagree with it. And I'm just going to tell you how I feel about it. And that's really important to me. And the people that I've worked with over the years, the other reviewers in our shows, I've kind of tried to convey that to them too. And, uh, you know, because you can read about the features. You can read about the characters and, and how many players and the online modes and, how, you know, and, and um, um, the specs. All of that stuff is very clearly laid out out there but what does it mean to play it how did you feel while you were playing it you know talk about the tactility and the emotions that this stuff brought up i think that's a that's a better conversation around games and any other media as well you know but that's me yep did you have fun that's that's really what games are supposed to be. Did you have fun or did you have an enjoyable experience? Maybe you didn't have fun because it's a difficult game or maybe it's a, a painful experience 100%. because like last last you know the last of us, but still it's did it bring out an emotion of you that was not like um jaded because you do I think you're absolutely right. I mean there's people that are just jaded. They bring that sense of like uh you know what's going to be my next game I hate on cuz you know waiting to come out of everybody these days. So um, I like to hear yeah. that because I have Gotham Knights ready to go. And I've been waiting, yep. but it's been waiting for me because unfortunately you get part of the, the, the mind. Uh, oh yeah. The clouds out the, there. Yep. It, it, it stops you from experiencing a game that you might've said, Oh, that kind of looks kind of fun. Like what I think was it? What evil West that just is yep. coming out now. That looks like such a cool game. Even at seven, I'm like, that looks like a Todd game because it just looks yeah. like dumb fun. 100% man and you know what like you can only call them like you see them and like you and how they sort of hit you when you're playing them you know and uh, mm-hmm. I've had fun with 7 out of 10 games you know I've 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 had fun with stuff that's even lower than that and I and I've had second opinions and second thoughts about uh, uh, you know other games that I have gone back to as well you know um but yeah, it's really important to kind of scrub all that stuff away. I think when you're, 
I, I don't know, conveying how you feel about something and people are taking the time in their busy lives to watch something or listen to something or read something. I think it's so in, important to personalize it and, and let people know, you know, a, a, a little piece about you and your perspective on all of that stuff. And, um, you can have empirical evidence in your content, but I think what's more valuable is, I don't know, the, the way that that stuff emotionally affected you. I really do. It's a decent time for me to jump in with the first game I've been playing, which is Pokemon Scarlet, which if you've been following any news or <laughs> reporting oh, on yeah. that, reviews, whatever. There's another perfect example, same right? Same kind yeah. of stuff. Yep. Perfect example yeah. of what you're talking about. And it's a technical disaster in a lot of ways. The game crashed on me three times, which is one of the only Switch games I can really remember crashing that often. Uh, yep. There's pop-in, there's uh, frame rate issues, there's this, there's that. The camera will sometimes go straight through a stage. Uh, I haven't experienced this, but I know a couple of people that have the, the Pokemon, the models and stuff will just kind of clip right through the ground and that kind of shenanigans. And uh, yeah, you could, you could pick this apart for those kind of technical things, but I am having the most fun with Pokemon and that's surprising. I'm sure for the guy with the Nidoran tattoo, but like, whatever uh, <laughs> it's like I am and Nidoran's not even in this game. So I could give it a zero out of 10 for not having my favorite Pokemon, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, really matters. <laughs> that's exactly right. Nidoran. No, come on. Uh, that's a too much water kind of, uh, you know, um, that, uh, for that's for for anyone that remembers old IGN Pokemon reviews, it's like a real small segment of people listening, I'm sure. Uh, but they uh, complain yeah, about too much water. Yeah, oh, they, yeah. there was a, a I remember they, that they, they, they I think that was like a seven out of ten, or they it was like too much water was like the the cap line for it. Anyway, that's mm. fine. Uh, but this this game, like, there's something about it the the exploration and the Pokemon being in the wild and herds or. Uh, groups of these Pokemon kind of moving through regardless of what you're doing and different Pokemon having different reactions. Like a Tauros will just like straight up see you and be like, you and me, we're going like fight. And then like another, like you'll get a Psyduck that just comes over and he's just like derpy, just kind of looking at you like, what are you doing? Hey bud. Like you did no fight in them whatsoever. You get Magikarp just kind of flip flopping around and another fish is just like, I hate you and you're in my territory. Get out of my water. I've, and it's I've just, only put a few hours into this thing, but I am really liking it. My daughter's been obsessing yeah. it and pl- obsessing with it and loving it. One of the things that I think is cool is you can send your Pokemon out to have battles without you, and you can yeah. just keep exploring, which is so freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. They don't die, yeah. do they? Like, are they smarter? Are they like, I'm losing, I'm coming back well, on the pop-up? Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll come back. They'll come uh, back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, once they start and and that actually happened for me the first time it was like you know f- uh the the fire starter i forget what was, the evolution was called but like fue coco is like out fighting is like oh he got scared and came back kind of thing it was it's like uh-huh. what this, what is this game like why is this in some ways disaster of a, a a game like the most fun i've had i can't put it down um it's it's delightful and i hope that they patch it so more people will feel confident picking it up my brother included i can't believe he bailed after getting the special edition oled switch he's playing an oled switch with scarlet and violet like plastered on the thing and didn't pick up the game 
but oh no, you know, Whoa. like he's I, <laughs> because of right? the uh, because of the because tech of the reviews comments. And stuff. The, the, yeah. yeah, he's he's a little bit more uh, frame rate obsessed. He loves that steady frame right. rate. Doesn't really care if it's thirty or sixty. He prefers sixty, but as long as it's kind of steady, when he sees that slowdown, it just takes him right out of that experience. And I can respect that. But for yep. me, it's uh, the only times that this game is, has really felt broken for me is when it just straight up crashes and I'm back well, at the switch I, home screen. I wonder how much that's from, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys are as much of a lifer in games as I am. You probably been playing for 20 years or something or more. Right. And the stuff we came up with when the industry moved to 3d was freaking terrible. There was so much crap mm-hmm. and we had to invest yep. so much imagination into that content. And yes, we should be well beyond it, but still, in terms in technical terms but still we had fun with a lot of those games along the way even if they had all kinds of issues you know and i still think mm-hmm. there's fun to be had in, in games that disappoint you technically um I, yeah so yeah. but maybe as not someone as long as it forever yeah i think the only cardinal sin that we rarely forgive so. is when your save dies yes oh yeah that's like the only yeah. one that says like nope it's 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 that's a no starter <laughs> Yeah. yeah, or when a game is not I, uh, fun, and that, that oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. True. <laughs> this, but this one, this one's so much fun. I love, and that like it made me choke up uh, at that's a point. Great. I'm not going to get too much into it, but there's a Titan awesome. quest fairly early on. Um, I I had to give up my dog uh, last year, and my my parents, uh, my family dog, passed away earlier this year. And there's a bit with a a. a injured sick kind of dog and that's as much of all i'll spoil for anyone but uh i was just sitting there like i'm not emotionally prepared for any of this in a pokemon game come on not since pokemon blue killed cubone's mother have i felt this gut punched by uh digital little pocket monsters so that's awesome yeah it's see that's a that's a hell of a review right there that's an incredible you know comment about what this game means for mm-hmm. you. I think that's, um, that's incredible. And it's, it's yeah. the same thing with God of War Ragnarok. Like who would have called how emotional that game is, you know, like I got mm-hmm. really choked up playing as this murderer <laughs> and, and his relationship to his son. It's just it, it, phenomenal. Right. And that's what games have the power to do. They don't always, but they have the power to do with us now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's incredible. On a very, very kind of opposite end of the spectrum, I've been playing Coco Melon Play with JJ, which I right. got uh, from from Outright Games. We're all aware of this, say, this, this series, Games, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, got me on as uh, as an ambassador, and uh, I just want to thank Outright Games. So I, I've been talking about Outright Games for a little bit because they make the Paw Patrol games, and my son's obsessed. So as soon as I saw them on Game Pass, I was like, "This is this is it." My, my son can see Paw Patrol and video games. We can share this and it's, it's fantastic. His new obsession is Coco Melon. He sings along to the songs. We watch it all the time. It's, it's, you know, like silly little, like simple nursery rhymes and everything. And the colors are, if you kind of look into Coco Melon, it's, it's very interesting uh, from a psychological standpoint because they, they kind of slow down the frame rate for all of these animations on YouTube and whatever. Uh, and everything's very, bright and simple and particular and and 
paced in a way that uh, a two or three year old can follow and can understand. So they, they seem to put a lot of thought into how they do things. And, and what, when you're watching it as an adult, it's like that kid freaks me out, but <laughs> it's love it. Right. So it's uh, and, and playing this, like we were singing along to wheels on the bus and the bedtime songs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just kind of, you know, guiding through, but he was pressing the buttons for, you know, here we go, Luby Lou. And, and just seeing his face light up was, was just amazing. So if you have a kid that's obsessed with, with Coco Melon play with JJ on switch worth your while. Um, I'm going to jump into two more experiences and then Todd, I want you to go at it because I can't wait wait to hear more about God of War. Uh, Soccer story. Absolutely amazing. Uh, This was, this was a code that I got from, uh, from terminals. Um, That game is so far. I'm pretty early on, so I I can't say too, too much about it, but um, this is from no more robots. Uh, It's, so weird (laughs) like you start off and it's like the cataclysm happened and you can't play soccer anymore and you have to find a team to play soccer because a magical soccer ball found you and it chose you and it's it's like rpg elements and this weird kind of crazy rpg story built around soccer uh is it the same team as golf story i think so yeah it's not actually um, okay. it's okay. a, di- but it's very similar. I was looking at this one. It's on game pass now, actually it just dropped. Um, oh, awesome. it's, yeah. it's a different team. Cause the, the team that's making golf story is making sports story, which is coming out right on uh, switch in December. But it, this right, one looks right. a little bit more, uh, I don't know, 16 bit Mark, or is it a little bit better than yeah. that? Um, no, it's, it's pretty 16 bit. Yeah. It's a, it's a okay. tiny visual upgrade from, from golf story, but very similar. Like you can just drop your soccer ball anywhere. And there's a lot of, the world to interact with and it's, it's bringing up very similar vibes, which is why I kind of thought it was the same team when, when Victor brought that up. Um, I got to check this out. It's really cool. It's really cool. And now that now it's on game pass, um, even better for anyone that subscribes. Um, And I'll have more to talk about that one on the next episode after I kind of complete that game. So it'll be a little later and it'll be already available. So you might play it before I finish it, but there we go. I just wanted to mention that one. And, uh, and of course, thank uh, Terminals for, for sending that one over. Uh, the last one, Forev, uh, I'm going to say Forever or Forev VR. Um, they just dropped a pool game for Quest 2. And they somehow find this perfect mix of realistic pool and arcade VR pool that is delightful i only almost fell through the table once or twice maybe because <laughs> you know you kind of want to lean down but there's no table sure. in front of you because i'm standing <laughs> in my living room like an idiot wearing these glasses and uh i did catch myself like almost falling a couple of times but other <laughs> other than that it is really cool if you've played any of the like darts bowling cornhole any of these kind of vr games you kind of know the quality that that uh this team puts into stuff um and it's, it's a really cool experience. Like I want my dad to play this and he's not really like a video game guy or a VR guy by any means, but like the, the mechanics are there. They're really sound. They're really easy to understand. And it's very immersive. You can play online. There's like YouTube music that you can change the playlist and like kind of play it how you want to. So it's like, it's a really cool experience. And I've been, I've been really digging the, the VR pool. So that's um, awesome. 
yeah, if you can't get out to a real billiards, uh, this is the next best thing if you have a quest. Can you break the queue and then beat somebody up at the bar with it? That's all I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried that. I'm going to. That's uh, that. That's not the Canadian way, Todd. We we just say sorry and buy a beer. Really, really. But I will. I will try to go a little violent uh, next time I'm playing. But um, yeah, that, that would be interesting. Yeah, no, yeah. Aside from falling through the table, that's the only. Um, there is that VR brawler that Twisted Pixel made. I can't remember the name of it, oh, but it was like yeah, Street Fighter so in cool. VR. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's like, couple, I can't yeah, remember. Like, Super Punch VR. I don't know what, what the hell it's called. There's, uh, I have a box. Is there a bar fight? <laughs> yeah, there, there's <laughs> a drunk, it's like bar fight or drunken bar fight. I, I've never played that one, but I've seen it advertised a couple of times. Um, Get beer awesome. goggles. I did play a yeah, boxing game good. that was quite good. It was, it was a very, the Apollo one, um, isn't there? Apollo Creed VR? There is a Creed VR game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't play that one. I played another that, that was uh, on sale. And, uh, it's very kind of like punch out S. It could work out. You're there, right? It's uh, it's it's interesting. VR is such a, a weird, interesting kind of landscape because you get yep. these weird, wacky little things, and then like super well developed things like Moss and Resident Evil, like up here, and then you get these experimental like weird little titles from from indie devs, and it's it's such a cool space. I love it. Yeah, I don't even know if like Quest has a like quality seal of approval on games. I, I don't know anything the, about the, that. The uh, lab, and you kind of have to go through labs. I'm sure they have some semblance of something, but like, yeah, you're, I, yeah, I don't know. Met, well, Meta's been spending the most in that space, mm-hmm. right? Like they have like six or seven excellent studios. I actually mm-hmm. just interviewed Ryan Payton. Uh, who runs oh, yeah. Camouflage, who did the uh, cool. Iron Man game. I haven't put Iron that Man. together on our channel yet, but uh, it's a great convo. Um, we spent an hour talking about uh, working on the game and bringing it and porting it from PlayStation VR to Quest, but we also talked about the PSVR 2 and what VR needs in order to reach more people, and I think Iron Man is a huge component in that. Star Wars Squadrons is a huge component in that. I think your discussion right there about um, the quality, you know, variance that people find when they go on. I love that the community that's into VR is open to it all, you know, and encouraging to the developers. But it's such a nascent, burgeoning technology, and I think Meta is the furthest along that it it needs those hits, man, and um, it needs those things that people are familiar with that extend the ideas that VR can deliver out a little more. Cause I feel like there is a similarity to experience. And even though we do a lot of the same types of things in, in flat screen games, especially if we've been playing for a long time, like all three of us have, uh, I, I think it's more pronounced when you do the same types of thing in VR, you know, like if you're doing the bow and arrow thing across seven different games, even if there's slight nuances and, and it's still going to feel like we're, we're always doing the bow and arrow thing, you know, and now that Beat Saber's cornered the market with that rhythm type thing and, and um, what's the shooting one? I always forget the, uh, um, the sort, sort of pistol dance. Whip? Uh, pistol whip. Yeah, pistol whip. Yeah, those are seminal. Those are incredible. But it's, it's pretty hard to play in that category and compete with those guys because they're so damn mm-hmm. good, you know. Um, and so I think VR needs those 
it needs those those brands those those concepts like resident evil was amazing and and the mm. maturity in moss and lucky's tale like the the tuned design philosophies that that are apparent when you play those games that's what i think really um it's either where people are familiar with the characters or the worlds that they're being served up in vr like the walking dead saints and sinners is really good as well or they have to have like super polished mechanics that are familiar as well so there has to be i think an element of familiarity in vr Mm -hmm now to kind of really get to the next level and playstation might be the way that that starts to happen right because they have all of these brands that they can lean on i'm just curious to see what sony's really going to invest in you know like getting the hardware out there is one thing but the consistency and the economy of paying for these expensive games from these expensive studios to keep that flow needs to keep coming and it didn't happen with psvr didn't happen with vita and I, I, you know, I just want to see Sony really commit, but that's a, it's like a, it's a two way street, right? People have to go and, and support the idea and pick up the hardware, which is not cheap. Um, but in terms of brands and characters and worlds and gameplay uh, mechanics and ideas that will sell VR the best. I think uh, the PlayStation library of of concepts and all of these developers that they have at their disposal could be really, really impressive. But then anything that they do, Meta can also, you know, meet with dollars or buy studios or whatever. I, I hate that we're in a, a console war in VR. I hate that. I think it's so <laughs> and stupid. Yeah. It's yeah. it's that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I would love yeah. it if if Sony partnered with Steam. And I know they've got the 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 the, the high end index, but being able to connect a PSVR two to your PC and being yes. able to access that library would bring in so many people. Like I don't think everyone wants to pay twelve hundred dollars for a Valve index, but I bet a lot of PC gamers would love a high quality headset to plug into their PC and just make it work. It's pretty expensive that PSVR. Yeah. Like if we're we're yeah. not too far away from that Valve index, you know, yeah. like it's. It's uh, it's it's really interesting. Like we all know, it can be this next level of engagement and immersion, but there is a lot of prohibitive elements and and decisions. But all the while, though, there are millions of people that are being entertained and studios that are selling a lot of copies of software. And um, I love jumping in and tooling around and trying out a bunch of things, but I cannot. I just don't see enough it consistently in VR that I'm there all the time right now, mm. you know, that might change next year, but right now I just don't, you know, but yeah, yeah I what so. I love too, when I, when I put on the quest Two, that's cause that's usually the only thing that I, I, I have the, some of the other sets, but the, the quest two is just so comfortable and easy and, and so straightforward, right? You put it on and you're lost in something, but I love mm. that. Like, what have they been working on? You know, that surprise, like entertain me video game or VR gaming industry. Let's see what you got. You know, and I like yeah. that 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 surprise. I think last year was more impressive, though. With uh, like Resident Evil Four was so damn good. Although Iron Man VR on Quest is excellent. I don't know if you guys have played that yet. It's so I'm good. No, my my friend loves to. it on PSVR, and I I can only imagine being untethered doing those type of things would be amazing. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. good. Word is, and it's rumor, and I hate to speculate. Ryan's a friend of mine, but uh, the uh, the leaks are out there. Um, 
and he wouldn't tell me what they're working on next when I interviewed him. But uh, the, the the leaks, you guys might know, but the leak is that uh, they're working on a Batman game. So I just want knows? them to bring over the existing Batman game. Like the bat, just Arkham put that VR? on Quest. I'm happy. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they do something cool. more, but like just put yeah. that on Quest as a, a little teaser, a little palate cleanser, kind of something or other, like a little like, here's Batman on Quest. That'd be uh, isn't it on Quest? But, it's, st- it's still not on Quest? No, it's no. still locked to PSVR. What, it might be really? on it's Steam. A, it's on though. PC, it on I Steam. would imagine. Yeah. yeah. And then you can yeah. see this is the thing, right? Like it just should be so damn simple. It should be so easy. And even Quest, if people wanted to play on PC, you can. You can oh, do yeah. the, the Quest link and, and uh, you can it. wirelessly connect, but it should be so easy. And it's totally not. It is totally not. It's easy as hell to put the thing on your head and get into a game, but it's not easy to p- put it on and connect it to your PC and get lost in a game. It's like mm. picking up the thing, looking at the monitor, pick, put the thing back on. Is that working? No, pick it up. No, is that working? Do you working? have a bad connection? Yeah. yeah. yeah is it totally. connected? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. totally kills it. Anyways, <laughs> what have you been playing, Todd? <laughs> oh, um, you know, and, and I think you talk about with children being involved. We all have children. And yeah. I only have one PlayStation five, um, surprisingly right. enough. Um, yeah. And my son only and one. I... <laughs> only one yeah i know long story you know i used to own like eight of them but no uh, um yeah i my son is not your traditional gamer he gets into a game and just plays into it. he's been playing terraria for like non-stop for the last four months he just built a, we just built a brand new pc for him that's what he's playing on terraria i'm like you could be playing anything and that's what game you're playing but yeah. for some Terraria's reason like on your phone I know, I know. It's just his, just his mindset. My daughter is all about house flipper, man. She plays house flipper like there's, she's like a future real estate broker, a a contractor, or something. She just loves that stuff. Yeah, I know. I feel gives her some skills, right? You're like, okay, great. She she loves designing. That's her thing. She's an artist, so she she loves to build inside. So I totally get you on the on the terraria there. Um, well, my son saw me playing God of War, uh, Ragnarok, yep. and he was like, and I, I told him, like, you should play the original God of War. We have it. And no, my son is contrarian. He's like, no, I'm going to jump right into Ragnarok. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you doing? This is what so, happens at 16, right? You cannot suggest anything. No. They're going to make Boy. up their own mind. Yeah. <laughs> Never seen a Marvel I movie. Meant that Let's point. start with Endgame. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's Let's see. Amazing. Oh, wasn't that great? I didn't know what happened, but wasn't that great? Um, so I think he might have watched like the little snapshot at the beginning, which is nice that they actually offer it right there. It just says, you know, totally. previously on, yeah. which is great. So um, I'm wondering if he's he's uh, identifying with Atreus and his viewpoint. Uh, definitely. I mean, he said because Atreus he is Atreus. right. Yes. Which we don't even consider. Right. Us three old no. dads. But yeah, I'm I'm curious if the uh, the teenagers are like, yeah, I don't get along with my dad either, and this is this my is what every discussion right. is. He's like. telling me what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and and it's in this game does feature Atreus uh, more prominently with and, and, yeah. and playably, which I think is a great introduction. Not a, hopefully it's no spoilers, but um, it is a great dichotomy of of, of seeing it from both characters lens this time, which is great. And um, I'm, I'm past the part and uh, um, there's a part that everyone's talked about where the game kind of slows down 
where you meet a yak. That's all I'm going to say. You meet a yak. Um, And while I do admit it has different pacing, it it brings a lot of value to the story, introduces another character, which I think creates a great relationship for someone when you realize Atreus hasn't had any relationships beyond being around people and almost dying and losing everyone to see like he's never had one someone his own age. And I think that's a great addition. Yes, it does slow things down, but it gets you back into things. And um, I have not gotten yet to a part where I have heard rumors. There's an extra weapon. I haven't got to that weapon yet, but I'm just loving it. And my son's giving me hints and tips. He's much better gamer than I, I am, but he's giving me hints and tips about, Oh dad, you should invest in this. Oh, have you gotten to that part, dad? Well, go do this side quest. It's a value. So I'm like, it's great that my son can guide me now versus me being like, you know, do this, do that. And it's, it's a nice collaborative experience and we get to talk about our experience together as we're playing it. Um, and it's been really rewarding. That's awesome. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The dual sense is phenomenal. It's, and that's one of my favorite things about the PlayStation with the, with the PlayStation five, essentially, I don't think the boxes are that exciting as they once were to us i mean they look great yeah. they play great but now with the dual sense what it's bringing to the extra level of immersion i love it i want everybody to bring out a controller that does that i know nintendo tried that with the ultra shake or whatever it was called um <laughs> but they really haven't really utilized it with the speaker and all these different elements it's great i really enjoy it and that's going to be in playstation vr2 is the dual sense features so talk about being immersed and having that extra sense I think is a yeah. great addition as well. I'm assuming Quest will probably do something like that too. Um, and then as they, you know, I'm yeah, hoping- as they iterate, yeah, yeah. The, the the dual sense is going to inspire so much competition and and uh, um, and copying. Um, well, I actually have a Razer uh, pair of PlayStation branded or P- PlayStation uh, licensed or something connected to the PlayStation, uh, headphones that have haptic feedback in them. And I don't oh, know really if you guys cool. have ever had no. headphones with haptic. It blew my freaking mind. Literally. Like I was playing Sifu and it, and I was in the club and it was going boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, oh, wow. this is ridiculous. This is so freaking awesome. I couldn't believe it. But like I was surrounded by these, you know, it was, oh, wow. it was subtle, but it was just surrounded by all of these beats and, and bumps by the technology on me. It was great. I love that. Oh. Yeah. You know what's cool the, about God of War 2 or God of War Ragnarok? Which, yeah, oh. it's going to have some haptic yeah. feedback. The, the but haptic, God of yeah. War Ragnarok is going to give you, because um, it, it's uh, it, it's thrilling and, and like tactile and just wonderful to get lost in the combat and the puzzle solving and everything. But I think what is most shocking about the game is is its emotional journey. You know, and that I think that's what resonates with this game. And it's surprising as hell, you know, because we all played the original PlayStation 2 God of War trilogy and and, uh, PlayStation 3. Those were excellent games, but they didn't really they had some tragedy in them, but it was all so grandiose and crazy. But this is so personal and I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it is so it's so profound and I, I cannot believe that's where games are you know i can't believe that we have you know and and as playstation's been a big purveyor of that that's why i'm so excited that they are putting those games on the pc like uncharted is a real journey and last of us for sure is a crazy real journey you know and days gone um 
you know, they, they pumped a lot of money into um, Kojima's game. Um, mm-hmm. What the hell was it? What's it called? Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. Death you, know, you know, weird, but also emotional. And it, it is amazing that, 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 you know, a lot of these single player story experiences, including the chaos of God of War, is so palpably emotional and touching and so well rendered. And I won't, I won't say more, but uh, it's really cool. It really got me. It really got me. It, it definitely does. There's little, there's little moments. There's one where Kratos, you can see his, his growth, obviously, but there's one point where he's arguing with Atreus, and you just see the one moment he is like, he's so mad and he's trying to restrain himself because he wants yeah. to do something like angry, and he holds himself yeah. back. And that is talk about amazing. Growth. I mean, amazing. Um, I mean, we've come a long ways from the old days of the PS2 games with the sex mini game. So <laughs> totally, we probably don't need yeah. to go back there. <laughs> Well, we we needed it at the time, you know. We needed oh, to push did. the and that and those games. That's, that's what they were doing. They were just sort of testing how mature they could get. And now mm-hmm. the maturity is in how how sensitive these characters can be, you know. Yes. And what I what I'm blown away with with uh, God of War Ragnarok is is uh, the complexity of the Kratos model embodied by Chris Judge's performance, mm-hmm. but also what Sony Santa Monica did to kind of create the sparkles in his eyes and the. Like you feel every goddamn wrinkle on his face, you know, like you just know how he earned every scar and wrinkle and it's, he's heartbreaking. He's just a heartbreaking character and God, it's so good, man. I don't want to say more because you guys have, have you played it yet, Mark? Have you, have no. you beaten it or are you? No. Oh man. Mark hasn't even played the 2018. I, I, I get on. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Get brothers, Do you have a PS5? Brothers, brothers PS4. I don't have a PS5. No, I'm going to steal yeah, my brother's PS5 to get. and play him. Yeah. 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 Just still hard to get. Yeah. You, you, you definitely want to do that. And you definitely want to play the last of us games, even though they're going to take you on a, a torturous harrowing journey. Yeah. Did you, yeah. did you play I played the, the last second of us one? I played Uncharted, love Uncharted. I uh, have not yeah. played the second last of us. No. You should definitely play that. It's uh, again talk about maturity and pushing boundaries, and and uh, not everybody likes it, uh, mm-hmm. and I totally understand. But God, I mean, talk about uh, risk taking and and uh, uh, you know pushing forward on what narrative in in this medium can do. You know, incredible. And yeah, yeah anyways. Hype, hype, hype. It's <laughs> it's it's all good. <laughs> I, I would recommend one piece of media that even if you don't play the game, I mean, it might have some spoilers, but it's 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 essentially, uh, it's called, I think it's called The God of Wars, uh, Gods of War, maybe, but it's mm-hmm. all of the different voice actors Sony employed to play Kratos from Japan, right from, uh, I forgot what other countries, but it's amazing. Um, and you just see them talk and they talk about how much... Um, they've been inspired by the American version, but also to say, we're not going to do the same thing, which is very hard. Right. Cause I don't know if they have to redub because uh, uh, Chris judge with, you know, with some, with, a, with all the motion capture and everything like that to then say, okay, now you just need to replicate what you did. It it was amazing. I just really appreciate what they've done to make that's games great. for the audience. They're for. Um, so that's, that's, it's great. Check it out. If you get a chance. Um, uh, but I did want to get a something a little something less deep, and mm-hmm. um, Mark actually got this code for me, um, and it was meant for Logan. But I wanted to try this one out just to see something a little lighter fare. And it's a game called Ruby Arrowfell, um, and this is uh, and I just want to make sure I've got it right. Uh, Rooster Teeth Games, 
you know, Rooster Teeth just to make the, the red versus blue. Now they're publishing yeah. games. They actually make the anime for this too. It's called Ruby. And essentially it's just this group of four characters that their names are all like R-W-B-Y, each initial. So it's Ruby. And they're like hunters. I mean, they have special abilities and things. Uh, it's an anime-esque game. Um, and uh, the developers are actually WayForward and Arc System Works, which is WayForward we love because they make awesome. really just yeah. fun, awesome games. But Arc System Works typically makes like Guilt Gear, like fighting games. Yeah. So I'm like, this has yeah. got some talent behind it. Um, and it's a very cool little, and this is, this is why I'm bringing up Castlevania in a second, is this is a Castlevania, not a Metroidvania, a Castlevania game. Mm. Um, there's no backtracking, there's no maps, but you are going through that action combat platforming there's a boss um you have cut scenes with the anime and you do have leveling up and um and and it's apparently canonical too um and then it's got that called ruby ruby arrowfell ruby spelled r-w-b-y though yeah and it's on the switch i haven't i haven't seen they're all yeah that sounds they're all four female protagonists uh, yep. There is voice acting in it um, during the cutscenes in the uh, actual. Uh, I guess you would just say when you're talking to other characters when you're on the like the main mission maps and things like that. It's more of that, huh? And then you have to read it. So it's, it's very right, much right, like right. a lot of those those uh, <laughs> Japanese games that you see. But um, it's really well done. Um, I, it's it's definitely. I think the fact that this is definitely fan service for the fans, but I think there's something there for, uh, for anybody to play it just from the gameplay perspective. Um, but if you like, yeah, if you like the anime, I think you'll be really pleasantly surprised. There's a lot of quality in this game and the rocking anime songs. <laughs> it's like that hard rock. And it's like, ah, you know, it's crazy. Cause it's like, Oh, I guess I've got this song for the whole game. <laughs> so if you like Way that, I rocks. think you'll love it. I love those guys. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, this was, it's, uh, it's great. This was a hard code to give up, to be honest. Like I got, uh, like I said, I got Soccer Story and like for every uh, uh, pool, Coco Melon. Like I had all these like kind of codes coming at me, and then I, I kind of knew Logan liked anime more. But when I once I saw this was like key members of the Shante team, and I like love me some Shante games. It was just like, uh, all right, fine, I'm gonna give this one to, to Todd. Like, but it was. And it, I asked Logan if he could play it right away, but he said, "Dad, I'm playing God of War right now." <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad, but I'm I'm really glad you gave it a shot too, because like I knew you weren't familiar with it either. So we were both kind of coming from it, like you know, what is this? But you know, really great team behind it and looked kind of cool. So I'm I'm really glad that you kind of gave it a shot and gave your impressions too. That's that's awesome. There is one caveat: you can switch between each of the four characters, but you share one life, meaning like you have three hearts. Uh, mm-hmm. They, uh, if your if your health depletes, you lose a heart, which is essentially life. So, but there's plenty of save states, which is great. So it doesn't, it's not really punishing, but it is, and they each have ability that will help you do something, which is kind of cool. It takes in that mechanic of like, um, you know, complementary gameplay between the characters. So I like that. If you like a character a lot, you may have to stop playing that character because you need a specific skill or ability. So I think it brings enough variety. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so if you're looking for an anime-type game, I think that's one to check out. Um, So once again, thank you for the code, Mark. I appreciate your sacrifice. Um, (laughs) Thanks to WayForward, man. They're they're amazing and always good to support the show. And, and, uh, you know, I'm always happy to see emails come from from that team. So uh, thanks to them. 
Yeah, and that just led me led me lastly to the Castlevania Advanced Collection. I got it on Switch. It's been on sale for Black Friday, and it made me nostalgic for those games that were on the GBA. So Konami was on a tear mm-hmm. with Castlevania at the time, um, and unfortunately, I could not play them in a, the greatest way because the GBA had no backlit screen. And those games, notoriously, I don't know if they had an issue with brightness. So they never looked great uh, until like the SP came out. Um, and so because I only had the original GBA, I didn't, I didn't have that. So um, it was great to play a game, these games on a fantastic screen with like the OLED and have modern conveniences like save states. And with a little bit of a history, you could choose which version you wanted to play, uh, American, Japanese. And I think that, I can't remember. The other. Plus, there was the soundtrack list. And also the Rondo of Blood game, which was for a long time was hard to find. And it was much like a 16-bit version of the original Castlevania. But I think it's um, canonical as well. Um, But it's great. It's on sale. Definitely check it out. I'm glad this came out. Um, I'd love to see more of these collections come out from games from the GBA days. So, um, But I think it was like $11. So definitely well worth buying. That's amazing. Can't beat that. That's awesome. Cost you way more for just one of those cartridges. Oh, I know. If you wanted to buy them now, like Mark, yeah. I'm sure you're going to eventually want to re- rebuy all your games on, on, on the original hardware. Yeah. Box copies. Luckily, of I, I still have a couple of those Castlevania games for the GBA SP, but uh, it's so good to have them all in a collection. And like you said, even the SP screen, which was backlit, wasn't backlit like we wasn't think an now, OLED like right backlit screen <laughs> no. it wasn't yeah right so like playing them now like that's the way to play them like you're seeing stuff that you couldn't even on oh, the I've, best I flipped GBA out screen. when it's, when I reviewed those and uh, yeah that's an yeah. excellent pickup yeah these collections yeah. are so valuable and so important and uh Konami's been doing some good things like the you guys pick up the Kawabunga collection the teenage I got to play it Cowabunga. yeah I got to play it it was amazing how much good stuff is in there that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. more like that, Konami. Keep going. <laughs> yes. They may make not they may not make new games, but they yeah. they are doing a great job of collecting their old games, which is which is fantastic. Yep. Well not, we no are done there. talking about playing games now. So Mark, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about our sponsors today? Sure. Support for this show and the whole Secret Friends Unite network is brought to you by Manscaped, which is the best in men's below the waist grooming. I say men's in there, but it's good for women too. They just released a study that showed like comparisons to other women's products and all that kind of stuff. So let's just say best in below the waist grooming and leave it at that, I guess. Uh, But their, their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package which uh, the, the Secret Friends hosts all received, is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Uh, you can join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with an exclusive offer for Secret Friends Unite. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code SFU at manscaped.com. It also works on manscaped.ca. I heard from a friend today that got the package and absolutely loves it. Uh, weirdly, it was super weird to like get an underwear review from a dude I used to work with, but like, (laughs) that's my life right now. Uh, but, (laughs) um, I, I, I really love these products. It's, uh, we, we've talked about it a few times on the show. Um, Todd's, Todd's keeping his head nice and, uh, nice and clean with, uh, with that one. It's, it's, uh, you guys have no your mix, own no manscapes, though, right? You have your own. You don't share your manscape with Tom. No, that, that would is, be that would yeah, that would be no, a little okay. too close. That no. okay? Yeah. All right. 
Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, a pass over the manscaped, huh? That's, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that is the secret. Secret friends unite. That is our secret. We all we mail one manscape back and forth. It's like I need it next Friday. I got to shave oh, my man. back. And Todd's like, No, oh, I'm man. using it next Friday. You can have it Friday. for some reason. Uh, we we planned this wrong, and we didn't realize how much postage was. That's ah uh, yes. <laughs> Things got weird on this podcast. They it's definitely real, did. A little bit weird, a little <laughs> bit uh, personal. But uh, yeah, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Use the code SFU at manscaped.com or .ca. Thank you once again to Manscaped for sponsoring Secret Friends Unite. Check your mail for a package for your package. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, Victor's still on the podcast, so that's a good sign. <laughs> He's still here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Yes. I'm just a little more uncomfortable, but that's okay. I'm Perfect. Here. That's what we do. Perfect. Yeah. That's what we strive for. <laughs> With yes. or without the manscape. That's, that's exactly. Exactly. Well, very, very quickly, I know everyone's time is valuable. So we are just going to go over something very quickly, which is annual awards. So, Victor, you have your annual awards coming up in January, the Rockets and yep. Ray Guns, which is a great yep. just – uh, the way you do it with you bring on people, you, you have your own uh, uh, selections, but you bring on other people to say why they loved games and their own takes on it. So in, in regards to, uh, you know, y- your process, where you're at, are, are you expecting to do the same thing this year? Or are you making some changes for 2022? I'm going to make some changes and I don't know what they are yet, you know, but I, I, um, uh, I like to mix it up. I, you know, that's one of the things about, I've been doing this for a long time, right? And so I like to kind of challenge myself and come up with new approaches. And I also have been, I have to be honest, I have been thinking about the way that we award games, whether they're the best, you know, how we stack them against each other. I'm starting to like really, like it's so much of my makeup because of how we have always talked about games. When I was an avid collector of all the magazines, it was always this competition between these things. And we've done the rocket and ray guns for decades now. And EP's done awards for a long time. And I, I, I like the celebration of it all, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm still, that was part of my decision to move it from the end of December. Cause usually what I've been able to do um, either with the team or with um, collaborators and, and people uh, jumping in with their thoughts is assemble everything just before the holiday break. And, and it's a crunch kind of final week. But this year there were two things. I'm, I'm starting to think what is a different approach that we can take. And I've done different things over the years. Like we, we did a round robin kind of tournament where I posted a bunch of games up on Twitter and people were voting and it was totally unfair what was being pitted against. But <laughs> awards are unfair, you know, like they're just mm-hmm. unfair. It's just silly to, to, to like say this game is better than that game. And then I think the other part of the equation is that it's so much about God of War and Elden Ring. Like, it feels like they're just so ubiquitous and so it's just so logical to make a choice about either one of those two. And maybe that's part of it, too, when, when the, the competition is just not that interesting because it's so easy to define, you know, the contenders um, and there aren't really more of them that can kind of stack up at that level. Maybe there's a new way to think about it. So I, that I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about the, uh, um, uh, you know, who's sort of in the competition for the best game of the year. And then of course the games industry likes to push 
ever closer every year to like actually delivering a game on Christmas Day, you know? And so we've got all these games that are launching now. And I should be getting a code for Callisto very soon. And, and uh, the new Need for Speed is coming and um, the Midnight Suns game. These are huge games. And I just like, I didn't want to get them, try to cram them into my brain. And then like, how do I figure out? And then I know that not everybody I'm going to ask because they're going to even have time to even look at some of this stuff. So I thought, let's just relax. Let's take a breath. Let's use the rest of the holiday. Let's go back in through the year find those little gems and let's find a way to talk about all of this stuff, you know, but I have, I have really been grateful and I've had a lot of fun reaching out to the community and uh, asking different people with different voices to kind of give me their perspective and shoot these little videos. It's, I think it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a really fun thing to work on. And it's really rewarding to, um, to share that because, you know, what we used to have with the show is all of these disparate voices and a team. And I thought that, you know, I think that was a very special way to make content around this where we'd have eight of us uh, wrap up the year and do these awards together and uh, people would get all of these different viewpoints. But of course, the world is different and I don't have that team at my disposal. And most of those people um, don't have the time because they're, they're working in different things now. They don't have the time to play everything. That's the other thing too, is that not not many people have the time to play the, the wide spectrum of stuff, you know? And in media, that's even true right now. You know, I don't think there's a lot of people that are actually reviewing stuff and trying as many things as I try throughout the year. And I'm, I'm cognizant of that. So, um, I've really enjoyed reaching out and getting all those different perspectives and I've learned a lot. I know our viewers have learned a lot. I like that. So I think I'll probably keep some of that, but I'm still figuring out what I'm going to do in January, but I'm going to come back from the holiday break and that'll be the first thing that I work on. So stay tuned. Cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. That's going to be awesome. I always, I always love. I never know who I'm going to see on your award show pop up and, and give their thoughts on something, which I absolutely love. Awesome. Yeah, well, you know, funny thing is like when we started, the the thing about Electric Playground and, you know, I want people to kind of recognize this, like we, like it was very important to me that game developers like the show. And I would like in that mm -hmm. first season, I was meeting all these people and coercing them to be in front of the camera. Many of them had never been interviewed on TV before and they didn't know what to do. And there was not this sort of really heavily... Um, orchestrated media training, you know, and people said silly things or did silly things, but it was honest and it was real and they did play with us. But one of the things that we did even like in, and I don't know if you can see this on the internet archive or not, I don't have a web team to make the website that we used to make, but right in, in the beginning days of Electric Playground, we were on the web in 1995. Um, but that first year, that second year, I was reaching out across the community and I would ask developers, game makers, to send me what they wanted for Christmas. And we used to do this big holiday, oh, awesome. uh, this big holiday feature every year. And we'd get like dear Santa letters from each of these games, like Ed Boone and David Perry and all kinds of different people across the video game industry writing what they would, you know, what from games they would like to receive from Santa Claus. And I really miss that, you know, and I know that what's different now is, all of these studios are so policed and there's so many layers of approval that have to happen before, you know, I get video content or textual content. 
Uh, but I miss that, man. I miss that sense of community. There is some for sure. It's not like everybody's in total different silos or whatever, but it's, you know, it's different. It's different now. There's a lot more sensitivity and a lot of people being protective and um, thinking about the repercussions of saying anything and post, you know, it's just a different world that just is. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of questions in regards to annual yep. awards, and <clears throat> this is abroad for, for all of us. Uh, in your opinion, should game awards emulate other award like Emmys, Oscars, uh, Grammys? Should, should they try to be that? Or is gaming too broad that it's just not even possible to do mm-hmm. what they do right? And another question would be, a follow-up with that would be, and if... Will audience show up if there's not trailers? Is there enough there on the bone just to celebrate games of what it is and see people get recognized and see the people we love who made the games show up? Is that possible or is it just a deal with the devil to get eyeballs on play in place? Um, well, you know, Jeff's show is much more than just honoring what has come before. And it's really a divining rod to the medium in general, you know, and he has had the wherewithal and the vision to kind of see the opportunities that that platform allows for. But there is absolutely a concerted effort on his part to bring as many, um, uh, you know, media expanding contributors and partners to the table as possible. And so it's been important for him to reach out to music acts and celebrities and stuff to bring them on board and to be um, ambassadors really for games. And it's worked, you know, and the show, you know, Jeff has come from a a similar place as I have, you know, he's another Canadian that, that, uh, um, worked his way into the the gaming industry in a lot in a very cool way, and he knows everybody across the space, and he genuinely loves the industry and the people in it, and he wants to celebrate and honor all of this work, but he also is a, a smart business person that really appreciates that he can do even more for the video game industry if more eyeballs and more people are talking about it, and I, you know, I see. Uh, the gr- a great value in what he's doing. And honestly, we did the same thing with our TV shows. You know, we talked to lots and lots mm-hmm. of famous people. And what we did when we went daily is we really expanded to talking about movies and TV shows and, and things that we knew mm-hmm. players would dig. And the thought that we had, and I think that Jeff has, is that these, you know, this rising tide is going to raise all the boats and everybody's going to tune in for all that. And people would watch our stories on the MCU taking shape back in 2008 and the, the first Iron Man movie coming out. And then we'd have a piece on Halo or we'd have a piece on, uh, you know, whatever was being worked on. And it was amazing. And we didn't know that because we'd come from just games. And then we shifted to more because we were making a show every day. And uh, we saw it. It worked. And I think it's worked really well for, you know, the, the awards. Um, in terms of the way the, that awards, I, I feel like there will come a pivot point 
with Jeff's awards, with any kind of an award. And we we actually, I, I created the, uh, Can- uh, co-created the Canadian Video Game Awards in Canada, um, and we ran that for a bunch of years. But my thinking when we built it is, and it's not, I, I really didn't want to step too far down the road with the pageantry and the expense and the, and the, you know, the pressure of trying to put all of that together the way that, I mean, he spends a, almost a year putting that show together. It's a tremendous amount of work and we couldn't do that. We were making TV shows and I, I you know, a Canadian focused award show was never going to draw it. You know, it's going to draw a percentage, a small percentage of what his international award show is going to do. But what I really wanted to do with our award show, and I, and I kind of hope that this starts to happen with the with Jeff's award show, is really focus it on just the gaming space, you know. And so I partnered a lot of hosts that were like we had David Hayter host the awards, we had Elias Tefexis, we had Mark Meir, um, and we went to the community. And so these were actors, but these were actors that were working all the time in this space. Um, like Roger Craig Smith came up to our Toronto show, the guy that voiced um, Ezio Auditore and Sonic the Hedgehog. And so what we would do is we would partner a, for the presenters is we would partner a voice actor or, or a performance person with a developer. And so there were they were always sharing the stage together and going out there to present the awards together. And it was only awards. You know, there might've been a few commercial type things scattered through or sponsor type things, but it was really about just the awards that night. Games still have a way to go though. You know, it's not the vernacular. It's not the, it's not the, uh, the cultural, um, water cooler discussion that other media is, you know, like we're not, uh, Taylor Swift, you know, maybe in terms of an overall amount of money, that comes from the release of Red Dead Redemption or Grand Theft Auto or Halo or something, that's staggering mm-hmm. to a lot of people. But in terms of the amount of people that will be plugged in to that experience, we're not at the, you know, Marvel MCU world level yet. You know, that's that's tons mm-hmm. of people, not just bil- billions of dollars. It's just lots of people. And games when in totality do that, but that's including, you know, Overwatch and f- and all the other free to play stuff and the mobile guys playing Marvel Snap and every single thing out there. There's very few brands across gaming that are they're getting there, but they're not reaching the upper echelon of um, uh, zeitgeist media. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're getting there, and I hope that that pivot point will come for Jeff's awards and all other awards out there where it's really just about, um, but you know what? Like it's all grist for the mill anyways. Like we're, we're all taking influence from other media work and, and people that are making movies are huge fans of video games. Uh, You know, like the last of us TV show might be incredible. We might actually get one of these game related shows and movies freaking blows our minds like the superhero stuff has done for the comic book space you know mm-hmm. um but those will be bigger than the games they just will <laughs> they're just gonna yeah. oh yeah they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna reach more people you know and but maybe not forever you know and maybe that's what zuckerberg and some of the other metaverse chasers are all kind of banking on because you know they're building it on the backs of 
50 years of game making, you know, all of that stuff is, mm. and, and, you know, movies are using Epic, Epic's Unreal Engine to, and, and the Mandalorian, you know, like they're using the tools from games to make our linear content that, mm -hmm. that singularity crossing over threshold thing might be happening and the awards will evolve for that too. But yeah. you know, the trailers are cool. I like the trailers. Do you guys like the trailers? They are. They're cool. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough, right? Cause like, especially with games, because like you said, it's, it's tough to play everything. It's tough to keep up with everything and yeah. people play. It's not like you, like people don't watch movies at different speeds. Like you might not consume every movie, but like a two hour movie you sit there and for the most part, you can kind of watch it for two yes. hours, but like yes. Todd's experience with uh, Assassin's Creed might be very different from mine where Todd golden paths a game and I like ADHD very my way point. through yes. 700 side quests. So, uh, uh, you know, if, if I spend 200 hours in a game and I'm like, that was a 10 out of 10 that consumed my life. And Todd's like, dude, I beat that in 20 hours. What are you talking about? Like it's, <laughs> very it's, it's very different yeah. from, you know, versus like a, a two hour, like there's the movie it's, it's contained. It's, 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 you know, and, and you might watch it and get different things from a movie or see different subtleties or pick up on, you know, different, different cues that way. But gaming is, is such a, uh, an interactive medium as well. So it's, it's mm -hmm. hard for people to, to not only fit everything in, but also fit that experience in a way that you can tangibly say like, yes, this was the best because of this reason or what, what makes the best, you know, is it, yeah. I had the most fun with this or it was the best on a technical achievement level. So yeah. It's, and it's even very, if, if you, it's our hours to hours, you could kind of compare it to the television space where you have to, mm -hmm. uh, have these seasons of programs that last many, many hours. But I think even in that space, people could just watch one show, one episode and make a judgment call mm. on it. But it's very hard to do that in a game, isn't it? Like if you only give a game two hours, there's mm -hmm. nothing, you don't, you don't have insight Sometimes on that. Sometimes you're not through the tutorial. No. Yeah. Whereas yeah. other games you're like, you know, donut yeah. County was like, it was, I'll, I'll run through that game on, you know, an afternoon or an evening just because I want to have a laugh at a donut that's causing havoc with holes in the ground. Like yes. just yeah. like it's, it's such a, a weird space. Um, but I mean, that, and hence my, here. my dilemma, like reconciling what the hell I'm going to do for a new rocket and Ray gun award show next year. <laughs> exactly. And I've done this thing for right. so many years. It's like, how do I, how do I make this fresh? And it, you know, and it's, it is, it's very, um, it's very unique. This business, mm -hmm. it's better than everything else. And you guys know that. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I was more emotionally affected by God of War than anything else I have watched, I think, this year or played or consumed or anything. And that's only going to keep happening, you know, more and more and more. And uh, we all know that, you know, and we've been living on the potential, but that potential is about to be realized in some really, really significant ways. I mean, look at this generation already, you know, like the, the ease of use and the being able to jump into this content. It's not like the, the content made this, um, unfathomable leap into a new space and in, in interactive mm -hmm. experience that we couldn't even imagine. But the ease to jump into these massive experiences is pretty profound. And this next 
threshold that we're about to cross. You know, like they're going to tease the PS6 in the next year or two, you know. We're going to, and it won't be the features. It will be the emotional ride that these features will allow us to go on, you know. And uh, that's what's freaking me out. That's, you know, then it, then the rest of the world is going to wake up. It's going to be, I've been saying this for 25 years, but it, it's going to be like, you, you can't refute it. It's so, like games are so important to experience, you know, like if you enjoy storytelling, if you like enjoy get, getting lost in a tale, you're the hero and the director of your tale, you know, go. And, mm. and once people really clue into that and you know, I, I, I admire VR and I admire this idea of the metaverse and all that stuff, but the fidelity that we're at in flat screen right now is just so incredible. It's so good. And, um, mm -hmm. I don't want, I, I don't, I don't want the metaverse to be the way that most people sort of have this profound realization, you know, with their honk chonky, we, <laughs> visuals <laughs> I, I want them to, i want i want people to that have never played a game before to sit down in front of god of war and go holy shit that's what games yeah. look like you know like that's that's yeah. or spider-man spider-man is that great equalizer like that oh, i've been yes. saying this since marvel's spider-man game i was like i love the first yeah. marvel spider-man miles morales yeah. some of the, the best some, some of the, the some of these stories are better than the comics and better than the movies and i've read lots of comics Big time, right? And so, like, put a controller in front of anybody that has gone to a Marvel movie, which is what forty percent of Earth, everybody, yeah. and have never played a control a game before, and let them play Spider Man. Like, their head is going to explode. It's so like it's amazing for us, and we've been paying attention. If you have not paid attention, and this is the first thing that you play, like, I'm so envious. <laughs> You know, like, and and that's what I want the games industry to do as well, right? That's why yeah. you know a lot of this streaming tech and and the the sort of breaking down the doorways and the pathways to get to this content. I like that this is happening. It's not ideal, but I don't think the games industry could convince. They can't make enough PlayStation fives to to anyways or Xbox Series X to sell them to everybody. They can't make them mm. or switches. So why don't we get them to people easier, right? Like the industry can't sell this stuff fast enough to grow quicker, quickly, but they have other ways now that people can access this material. And, and uh, that's exciting to me, you know? And I just, I just, I guess the metaverse will include this as well, right? It will just mm -hmm. be a TV inside of your headset, but right. you'll be playing at this fidelity, right? I just yeah. don't want that, that terrible you know mark zuckerberg and paris art to be what people are making games of <laughs> no, you no, know not quite the vision no. yeah no. yeah more more ready player one less uh zuckerberg in paris yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and, and uh, so yeah. as we just kind of wrap up we're, we're getting pretty close to getting done I, I was gonna say and you know what when it comes to the movies most people don't in gaming i think only what 25 percent of the people actually finish most of the games Right. Not many people right. say I didn't finish the movie. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't make yeah. it two hours. <laughs> well, that's a that's a huge problem. This is a great conversation, and it's gone off in a million. But the, that's a huge issue that the video game industry is uh, 
um, has been trying to tackle, right? Like if the business is going to grow and reach more people, and it's so shocking that Google couldn't tough it out and make Stadia kind of work, especially when people couldn't buy the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox and they still couldn't sell it on that. It's like you can't get those consoles, but you can get that console experience just by plugging in this Chromecast, but they still couldn't sell it. They still couldn't do it. And uh, I don't know what the reason is. I don't know. You know, Google's got the money. I don't know. But the industry is really trying to figure out how they keep the people that that are new, that you know aren't the lifers. Game Pass is a part of that. Um, but um, Amy Hennig, who runs Skydance, and she's got the Marvel project. Her, her and her team. That that's what her whole thing was all about, you know, because she's a professional in the space. And I mean, she hit on it with Uncharted. Uncharted is another one of those games where you could sit down. They had remember those amazing commercials with Harrison Ford playing the game and, and playing Uncharted Three, and and there's there's Indiana Jones playing as Nathan Drake. Profound, right? But she, you know, she has really kind of zeroed in on the fact that most people are busy. They're too busy in their life to really get to the core joy of games yeah. and and see it all the way through, and that is a huge dilemma for the games industry for sure. And and I'll tell you what, the rest of media isn't just going to you know roll over and let them do that either, you know. Like Netflix has got a and choose your own adventure series that's launching next year. They're buying more and more studios. Um, they have Triviaverse. I mean, they have yeah. like you can just play yeah. trivia with friends. That's games. Trivia is a game. Yeah. Those Jackbox yeah. games are games. I think some people don't realize you're playing games, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I've been saying like Apple TV should just come packed with a controller like Microsoft toss in a controller PlayStation someone just partner throw a controller because you have Apple Arcade three months but a lot of those games need a controller I have yeah. friggin like eight Xbox controllers and PlayStation controllers I can just do it but you give someone they, they buy a new Apple TV and they have it set up there and they're using it to watch Disney Plus or whatever it's like, oh, here's three free months of Apple Arcade. Okay, cool. Like, you know, wh- I'm not going to try it. Oh, it says I need a controller or whatever. I'm not going to go buy a controller. But like, if there was one in the box, it was just yeah. like, oh yeah, shit, I'll try Oceanhorn. Like, yeah. Okay, you know, cool. Now you're a gamer. Sneaky, you know, sneaky like, Sasquatch is that, is that, uh, that killer app. Yeah. It's yeah, an amazing game. Right? Like, it, yeah. it is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love, like, there's been a ton of Apple arcade games, or racing games, and, and different things that, that I've, I've had great experiences with. And, like, I just. That's cool. I don't hear that enough. I, I, I hear about Apple arcade. I hear a lot of hate around mm-hmm. Apple arcade. And it's like, yeah, Apple could be doing more. I feel that. But th- at I least so. they're there, you know? At least they're yeah. there with something. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, like, they. They're they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, company in the world, and they're. I find that they're just like, eh, okay, you know, we have Apple Arcade, it's fine. But like, it would take so little effort just to make that like. Well, we, here's it, where they're part of the you know, machine that has trained the world to think of games as completely disposable and free, and just a way to waste right. time, not spend time, not to. Right. You know, and honestly, the games industry, this is such a deep, heavy combo that we're having here. But the video game industry <laughs> is also guilty of 
spinning its wheels with the games that it makes as well. You know, they, they have data on what people will say is worth the way too much money of $80 in Canada or $70 in the States. And so they hit an hour quota. And so we have padded missions and, you know, more crap in a, in a game than people really have fun with, you know, and it's the diehards that will stay all the way through it. And then they'll say to their friends that it's good because it's 60 hours or what. It's like, that's such a bullshit way to equate the experience of, of mm-hmm. something that matters. You know, it's that emotional ride that we go on there. I think what happens with some, it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome. Sometimes you stay in it with a game for so long. It's like, yeah, I had a lot of a lot of stuff that I didn't want to, you know, deal with for a big chunk of that time. But by the end, I was so freaking invested. I love this game, but I, f- <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like more games should, uh, I don't know, fill fill ten hours and and uh, and and rock our worlds. You know, like mm-hmm. make us just walk away from that ten hour experience, going, oh, I've never seen or experienced anything like that. Um, yeah. But the business model is so tied to these physical discs and cartridges at this price point and and uh people are scared of coming in at, at uh, you know lower costs all the way along the way yeah and it, it's a big mm. big topic yeah that's that i always appreciated the call of duty games because it's like couple yeah. hours of like the most Michael Bay Dude, shit you're ever going to see. And then you're done with those it. Those things like, sell because you of that, you know, the, like the multiplayer, but like totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it, right? Like it's call of duty. Everybody dogs that game, but you know what? They got a formula that works and they don't overstay their welcome. And then mm-hmm. if you want more and you want to play with your buds online, it's a social thing, you know? And, uh, everybody buys that game and everybody wonders how the hell they do it every year. And it's like, well, look at that. They don't waste your time. You know, they fill every yeah. moment with obnoxious stuff, but it's <laughs> like, it works, like you know, like something year old boss, uh, yeah. plays that game, right? Like it's, it's just, yeah. it it's, it's the one game. It's the one thing that people can relate to. And it's funny. You talk about the, the padding God of war 2018 felt so tight and then yeah. Ragnarok, I'm loving it, but it's much bigger, more side quests. Yep. And it's like, is that a good thing? Well, I love being in the world and I'm hoping I can go back in new game plus play the rest of the things, but it's like, it's a challenge, right? You, you want to be able to enjoy it, but time is our most valuable asset. We have so many things pulling us. There's too much TV, too many movies. Yeah. And so it's like to ask someone who's new to the, like we have a co-host, uh, Mark and I, that does not play games at all, but he loves all these genres. I'm like, if you could, I like. I don't love Star Wars as much as I used to, but I always love playing Star Wars because games because I can be in Star Wars. I yeah. reading or watching and, and watching again is like is not the same as like being Luke Skywalker. You know, totally. shooting stormtroopers. It makes yeah. you feel like you're part of the thing you love. Being in a horror game is much different than watching a horror experience because you realize you're the one that has to go through that door. And you're like, oh yeah. no. <laughs> I'm choosing to do this. I guess I like it. <laughs> well, this has been an awesome discussion. I have one last question. Okay. What category would you, and maybe this will help you, Victor, what category would you like to see in the in, a, in an award show? And Mark, mm. maybe we can do this in our own gaming awards. Oh, this is happening. This is happening at the Couch Awards. Oh, geez. Um, 
I don't know. You brought up something really interesting with the side quest discussion there. Like, what is the uh, uh, the, the the most interesting uh, side content in the game, or you, you know, the the most essential non essential part of a game, um, or who did it best, or something like that? I think that could be really cool. But I I don't know. I I feel like. Um, We, I think we talk about games in their, in their disparate elements and their, their sort of parts, and we award these elements like, uh, you know, best art design and best music. And I, I think that there could be an award for like an emotionally powerful punch, you know, where it's mm. all connected. Like there is a, like the most powerful moment from a game in, mm. in a year mm-hmm. could be pretty, a pretty rad award, you know, where you see all of mm-hmm. these arts have come together and they've, uh, they've affected a, a player, you know, and you could go all the way back to, uh, was it Aerith in uh, final fantasy seven? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the, the ripples and the shock and the people talking about that. Um, mm-hmm. and there's so many instances that I think we can talk about throughout the years. Um, but maybe that's something that we celebrate. Maybe it's not just about technical proficiencies and uh, artistic merit, but maybe it's that collaborative um, moment that's really mm-hmm. powerful and profound around games. I think that could be that could be a cool piece. As long as people don't get annoyed by a spoiler, right? Because so many of those awesome moments are like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's a spoiler, oh no! But it's like, yeah, I want to share it with everyone. I want to share true. it with everyone. Yeah. True, true. Yeah. I'm going to go in a very opposite direction with mine. I'm going to say best bug. Best bug. It's, uh, that's best a good bug. bug. Yeah. Now, the, the, there's so much of gaming that's captured. The footage of that would be shared. amazing. Yeah. And yeah, right. Cause you, like you can replay things on YouTube and TikTok and everything else. And it's just like, you know, the horse flew through the air or the person flew through the ground or this thing got elongated and all twisty turny. And like, I just want to see the, the best screw ups of like games are an amazing technical I achievement. That'd be a good one. Yeah. I don't understand how any of this magic works. It's a series of tubes and gadgets and gizmos and then there's something on my screen but sometimes a couple of qa leads that have been making that have been uh you know testing in games for years come out and and uh yeah so i i want to see yeah the best who who wants to get who wants to come up and get that award exactly (laughs) (laughs) you're nominated for an award this year but that's I guess the equivalent of a, a Razzie award. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, and, and that's one of the things I think that can set games apart is, Absolutely. is that as gamers, we, we have grown with that. We expect that bugs happen. It's a very, very technical platform. And, and sure. even in the most polished of games, Sometimes shit can go wrong. A face can disappear and you're stuck with a floating eyeball and teeth. And it's just like, Oh, that's not supposed to happen, but I can't stop watching it. So I, Hmm. you know, that I I think that's a good opportunity for the industry to kind of laugh at itself and then get back to the, the really cool technical stuff. And and we're sold Mark. We're doing it. It's awesome. I love it. I like, I love it. I, I can bring up my clip of the car I touched in far cry five in the, 
it looked, it looked like it was in a tornado. It just took off. I'm like, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> Come on back. <laughs> I love so it. Beat, yeah. beat, that, beat that one, Todd. Oh, well, it's 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 an odd one. And I know we talked about let's we don't want to talk about like the the mechanics of games, but I think certain games that may not get recognized bring some cool things to the table. It's almost like an innovation or a mechanic. Sure. So if we think about yeah. like Zelda and the slate and the physics, I'm like, that is an awesome innovation where even if that was the only thing it brought new to the table, that's still pretty amazing. And people are going to learn from that and, and do yeah. things. I think of like what Assassin's Creed brought to the table with their structure of the open world or GTA. And I'm like, just think what somebody is going to do next. That's going to be so awesome. Like Mario so, with the hats with Hattie. Yeah. Like a technological achievement or, or oh, it could just a, be maybe uh, like a, a gameplay mechanic. Like this is something in this game I've never seen before. And it's amazing. Cool, coolest gameplay mechanic of 2022. Yeah. Like the yeah. gravity, gra- gravity gun and portal. I mean, after yeah. that, I'm like, we want to play with physics. What the hell would I? Yeah. I've played a ton this year. I don't even know what the hell I would give. I don't know who gets that award. Do you have an idea who Entropy gets an award? Center. What? What is it? The 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 Entropy Center. Entropy oh, that's right, Project? Mark. You played that, that game. That's pretty called? awesome. That was um, the, the that. time, uh, time, time variances and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Really cool mechanic. Being able to, I mean, reminded me a lot of Portal. Trying yeah. to think of some other games that had some interesting mechanics in them, but uh, this year, yeah, nothing. Nothing else is coming to mind. That game was really, really cool with the, how it played with with physics and time, and uh, yeah, the puzzle solving in that I thought was was neat. Yeah, I think Inscription, just the way they turned a card game on its head um, to utilize the cards where your cards are actually talking to you and you're having like mm. conversations and you're like, Oh, I actually have to kill one of my cards. So it, it made it, 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 it. And then you walked away from the table. I'm like, Oh my God, this game is crazy. So it's not necessarily <laughs> one mechanic it's the way they played with all of the mechanics. And it's like, wow, that was pretty amazing. And I hate card games. So <laughs> mm. that's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fantastic, Victor. Uh, but before we go, tell people where they can find you and all the cool stuff that you do. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun and uh, very interesting and, and insane combo. Like we've been off in so many cool <laughs> tangents. Thank you for that. I needed that. Uh, you can find me on on the YouTube channel, I think, is is the great sort of mothership of all the material that I've been making. Uh, it's at youtube.com slash EPNTV. That's where the edited content um, goes live. And there's a lot of classic stuff on there and there's a lot of new stuff. Uh, I stream often on twitch.tv slash EPN. And um, I'm a TikToker now. <laughs> uh, so it's TikTok. Uh, it's a, it's a, the electric playground on TikTok, and uh, I, I I'm still on Twitter, Victor underscore Lucas. I'm Batwing on Instagram, and I I post content there too. I, I post short form videos, so I've been getting into short form, and I do have a podcast. It's still alive. I haven't done it very much recently because I've been so busy. But Vic's Basement, you can listen to hundreds of episodes of that, and uh, I'll have a new one of that soon. And uh, and uh, I got to get back on it because I miss it. I miss things like we just did today. This was really cool. But Vic's Basement is my podcast. Um, yeah, I, I I dabble in a lot of stuff, but it's all about this crazy world that we dig so much. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Mark. 
tell people where they can find you. You can find me pretty much everywhere at Instagram, Twitter, uh, Twitch, TikTok as the underscore Canardian. I am now on Hive and uh, it's that's that one's the same. They don't do underscores. So I just ditched the the and uh, it's the same Xbox, Switch and Hive is just Canardian. Cool. I'm on I'm on Hive now too. Victor Lucas on Hive. Too many of these things, but I'm there. Something <laughs> will happen. A little weird. Yeah, my head is spinning with all of these formats. Yeah. Yeah. I hear about a new one every day, and I'm like, we'll just wait till the dust settles and we have a place to go. So you yeah. can all find us. Um, yeah, at, 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 the, at the bird at Tioxtra there. Um, right now, I'm in the midst of fantasy football. It's wrapping up. I'm probably gonna lose my mind as my I lose my lead. Uh, then uh, see your friend you uh, on Twitter. Follow us there. Our 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 website secretfrenchunite.com and i'm also on hive um yeah that's the that's the website uh at todd of war which i i normally don't do weird things but i decided to do something fun with that so that's where we are and you know by the way when you're not uh too busy check out our youtube page as well we have a lot of fun there so you can see our wonderful place uh, faces in more places um and that is it for the show thank you all for joining us on this crazy journey in the world of games and as always it's always better to game together. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.